What would be more disappointing for Bruins fans? Not winning the Stanley Cup in 2023 or not re-signing David Posternock? I was asked that question on Twitter the other day. I'm going to discuss it on this episode as well as update the Atlantic Division Power Rankings. Let's get into it, shall we? Your Locked On Bruins, your daily podcast on the Boston Bruins. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, Bruins fans, and welcome back to the Locked On Boston Bruins podcast. I'm your host, Ian McLaren, and this is a daily show where we discuss all things spoke to be. Today is Tuesday, January 10th. I want to thank you so much for making Locked On Bruins part of your day. The podcast is free and available on your favorite podcast app, as well as on YouTube. So please do hit that subscribe button so that you never miss a thing. The podcast is on Twitter and Instagram at LockedNHLBruins. And you can find me, my dad jokes, and hockey tweets at Ian C. McLaren. The Bruins are off right now in the midst of a three-day break between their California road trip and a game Thursday night against the Seattle Kraken, who are off to an amazing start on their Eastern Conference road trip, uh, shutting out the Canadians last night, beating uh, Ottawa, Toronto prior to that. So uh, it's going to be a tough test for the Bruins on Thursday against Seattle, a game that we will preview on Thursday's episode. Now, I was asked on Twitter yesterday, what would disappoint you more, not winning the Cup or not re-signing Pasternak? And this came after I had said, I don't want to be one of those Bruins fans who thinks that this season doesn't mean anything unless they win the Cup. This is a special team. And I want to enjoy the ride, enjoy each game and individual performance. I mean, I will be disappointed. I'm downright sad if they don't win, but it won't change how I feel about this group as a whole. Now, speaking of David Pasternak, I should mention that he was named the first star of the week around the NHL for his performance uh, over the past Four games, the Bruins went 4-0 and during the past week with Pasternak leading the team in scoring with seven goals and one assist for eight points in four games. He had the two-goal performance against the Kings, another two-goal performance against the Sharks, and then the hat-trick against Anaheim. We all know, of course, David Pasternak can become an unrestricted free agent in July, and there is a slight risk that he could sign with another team. As long as he remains unsigned, that is a possibility. David Pasternak has developed into an elite player for the Boston Bruins. In fact, he's among the league's very best this season. Second in goals, he's up there in total points. 
third in total points. In fact, behind only Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl. One ahead of Jason Robertson of the Dallas Stars, two ahead of Tage Thompson. He is one of the very best players in the NHL. And it's my hope, and I'm sure a lot of you share the same feeling, that he remains in black and gold for the remainder of his career. It would be a massive disappointment if he doesn't resign, a massive failure on the part of Don Sweeney, Cam Neely, perhaps even a fireable offense if they are not able to sign him to a long-term contract. And I know a lot of people are criticizing Don Sweeney for a perceived gap in how the Bruins value Pasternak and how Pasternak and his representatives might value him as a player. As always, I would point to upstairs, even further upstairs to that disconnect. And you want to look at Cam Neely and the Jacobs family. Uh, I believe Don Sweeney is fully on board with who Pasternak is and wanting to re-sign him because if they don't, his job will be in jeopardy because this team will not be very good for very much longer without him. And if Bergeron and Krejci aren't back next season. Best case scenario, of course, is that the Bruins win the Stanley Cup in 2023 and David Pasternak is re-signed. Worst case, they lose in the first round, upset. David Pasternak walks. Actually, the best, best case is that the Bruins win. They re-sign Pasternak and they bring back Bergeron, Krejci, in an attempt to defend their Stanley Cup and go for the back-to-back. For me, the bigger disappointment, though, would be not winning the Stanley Cup. This is such a special team overall. An 850-point percentage through 40 games is literally unheard of, especially in the salary cap era. They're the top-scoring team in the NHL. They're the best defensive team in the NHL. They are tops when it comes to special teams. And the way they're playing right now, it would be a disappointment if they don't win the Stanley Cup. Looking back at 2011, that was the height of my Bruins loving life. And... 2013 was certainly disappointing, but not as much as 2019 because the 2011 championship was still pretty fresh. And you think, well, these guys are still young. They may get another chance yet. They did get that in 2019 with the full core still together, including Tuka Rask, Zdeno Chara, Tori Krug was still in the mix. That was the biggest disappointment of my Bruins loving life to date. The fact that they are back to that level, I'd argue this team is even better than the 2019 team. The Bruins, of course, locked out by Columbus upsetting Tampa Bay in the first round that year. 
not getting a championship with the benefit of David Krejci coming back from his year-long hiatus with Patrice Bergeron coming off his record-breaking Selkie and still playing at a high level with Pasternak under contract for a very reasonable rate this season with a healthy Charlie McAvoy and Brad Marchand and with Linus Allmark playing as good as Rask or Tim Thomas ever did for the Bruins and not knowing when this opportunity will ever come around again because the not-too-distant future for this team is pretty uncertain with a bunch of unrestricted free agents this summer, some guys getting older. There could be some leaner years here coming up for the Bruins, um, especially if Pasternak doesn't resign. But not making good on this opportunity when you're this good would be a ma- massive disappointment. Obviously, if Pasternak were to walk, I would miss him to death. Uh, don't want to see him playing in another uniform. I'd love to see him as a career Bruin. He's such a special player. But we all know players come and go. We root for the Boston Bruins. The ultimate fan experience is to see them win a Stanley Cup. And uh, that would be the bigger disappointment to me if they, if they don't win the Stanley Cup this year. Speaking of how good the Bruins are, we're going to update the Eastern Conference power rankings here in a moment. But first, this episode is brought to you by Bet Online, your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there from the NFL playoffs to the ongoing NHL and NBA seasons. Baseball is coming up as well. You can put some futures down on MLB. They've got it all at betonline.net. They're the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info. You can head to their website today or use your mobile device to learn more at BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, let's jump into the Eastern Conference Power Rankings. Previously, we've been focusing on the Atlantic Division, but with the wildcard situation the way that it is, it's possible that a couple metropolitan teams will grab those spots and that would line up the Bruins to play a Metro team in the first round. So let's look at the East start at the bottom. We can write a couple teams off right away. Columbus blue jackets. You're done 12, 25 and two 26 points, three thirty-three point percentage minus 52 goal differential. They're not going anywhere. Neither are the Montreal Canadiens, minus 47 goal differential. We could probably write off the Philadelphia Flyers as well. And the Ottawa Senators, while they did have a bit of a resurgence recently, they're 4-5-1 over their last 10. They've lost a couple games and are seven points out of the wildcard picture at the moment with five or six teams to jump over. They're probably done as well. Who might still be in the mix for a playoff spot in the Atlantic? Well, the Detroit Red Wings. They're 16, 15, and 7, 39 points through 38 games. 
513 point percentage. And they're, uh, let's see, seven points back as well, but they have games in hand on the opposition. So they could mount a bit of a comeback here with some healthy players coming with Robbie Fabry returning, Tyler Bertuzzi, and the like. But they're likely done, as are, if you can believe it, the Florida Panthers. They're 18, 19, and 4. 488 point percentage, minus 8 goal differential, 4 and 6 over their last 10. And the reigning President's Trophy champions could very well not make the playoffs this season. That covers all the teams with minus goal differentials. So going from the bottom, you have Columbus, Montreal, Philadelphia, Ottawa, Florida, Detroit. All with minus goal differentials. The only teams with minus goal differentials in the East. So who might be in the mix? Well, the Buffalo Sabres have had an incredible run lately. They did lose last night to the Philadelphia Flyers shut out for nothing, which is very rare for the highest scoring team per game in the NHL. They do have a 553 point percentage and they're only four points back of the New York Islanders and the Pittsburgh Penguins in the wildcard race. And they have three games in hand on the Islanders and a game in hand on the Pittsburgh Penguins. The Islanders currently on the outside looking in. The Penguins locking down that second wildcard spot because of their better point percentage. But the Buffalo Sabres really kicking around and still possible to make the playoffs. Elsewhere in the Metro, it's pretty tight. You do have the Pittsburgh Penguins, like I mentioned, in that wildcard spot. The Capitals... And Rangers coming up next. The Capitals actually have an edge over the Rangers. The Rangers are the first wildcard team at the moment. But Rangers have two games in hand and a better point percentage. So that could flip as well. So that's kind of the wildcard situation at the moment. The Rangers locking down the first spot. Five-point advantage over the Penguins who are battling with the Islanders. Possibly the Sabres, maybe the Panthers in there as well. All right, so let's move up from there. The top five teams in the Eastern Conference. Number five, Tampa Bay Lightning. They're 24-13-1. They've only played 38 games, so they're a bit down in points, but they have the fifth best point percentage and a plus 21 goal differential, which puts them in fifth. Fourth place team is the New Jersey Devils. They've been struggling as of late. They're kind of maybe rebounding here. Still locking down the second spot in the Metro with a 662 point percentage, a plus 30 goal differential, and they're four points back of the Carolina Hurricanes, who are the first place team in the Metro. Third in the conference is the Toronto Maple Leafs, 695 point percentage, a second ranked goal differential of plus 33, 6-3-1 over their last 10. They've won two in a row and 
you would think that would be enough to make up some ground with uh, Boston, but you would be wrong. Second place, Carolina Hurricanes, 25, 8, and 7, 57 points, 7, 2, and 1 over their last 10, and a plus 19 goal differential, which really isn't all that impressive. The number one team far and away is our Boston Bruins. Again, 32, 4, and 4, a plus 68 goal differential. Toronto is second place in the East at plus 33. The Bruins have 68 total points, nine clear of both Carolina and Toronto, and they have a game in hand on the Maple Leafs as well. Just unreal. 19-0-3 at home, 13-4-1 away, 8-0-2 over their last 10, and they've won four in a row. And again, right now, if the playoffs were to begin today, Boston as the number one team would take on the Pittsburgh Penguins as the second wildcard team. And uh, I would not be overly concerned about that matchup at all. After the break, we'll take a look at some of the underlying numbers and see if anybody's riding some... Good luck, some bad luck, if there's a chance for some of these teams to sneak up based on those kind of fancier stats. This episode is also brought to you by Athletic Greens. With one delicious scoop of AG1, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food-sourced superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. They have a special blend of ingredients that support your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, energy, recovery, focus, and aging. Tons of people take some kind of multivitamin, and it's important to choose one with high-quality ingredients that your body will actually absorb. AG1 is a small microhabit with big benefits. It's one thing you can do every single day to take great care of yourself. Your subscription comes with a year's supply of vitamin D, which is so important to add in these winter months when we don't get as much sunlight. Reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. Just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's all it takes. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Just visit athleticgreens.com NHL network to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. All right, so we looked at the Eastern Conference power rankings. Let's look at the underlying numbers and see where the Bruins rank um, when it comes to some of these advanced stats. We'll begin with shot attempts at five on five. That's where the majority of games are played. You have Carolina, New Jersey. Uh, Calgary, Florida, Colorado in the top five with Boston sitting in sixth with a shot attempt differential at five on five of 52.21. Florida is interesting there because they're regularly out attempting the opposition. When you do that, you have puck possession and it means you're controlling the game. They 
seem to be having issues with scoring. When it comes to shots, five on five, the Bruins are fifth. A shot differential of 53.85. Carolina, New Jersey again in at the top two. Florida's down in seventh in the Eastern Conference. When it comes to scoring chances, five on five, Carolina, New Jersey, Florida, Toronto, and then Boston. So the Bruins generating fewer shot attempts for compared to against than these other Eastern Conference teams. That's something to keep an eye on. When it comes to high danger chances, the Bruins again a bit further down than New Jersey, Carolina. Uh, they are currently in sixth. Add it all up, when it comes to expected goals, the Bruins rank third in the NHL behind, you guessed it, Carolina and New Jersey. So those are two teams to watch, certainly, when it comes to coming out of the East. Now, where the Bruins are better than those two teams is converting on their chances. They have a conference-high shooting percentage, 5-on-5, of 9.28. Actually, the Sabres are a bit better at 9.55. And Boston's save percentage at 5-on-5 is tops around the NHL at 93.68. That gives them a PDO of 103. You've heard me talk about PDO before. That's adding up shooting percentage and save percentage. Five on five, and the common belief is that teams will average out around an even 100, 10% shooting percentage, 90% save percentage, or some combination of those. In fact, if you look at the middle of the pack teams, 15, 16, 17, 100.2, and exactly 100 so you can see how it kind of levels out there. Bottom teams not getting scoring or saves. That would be the Iowa Senators, 6.52 shooting percentage, 90.8 save percentage. So you would think that their shooting percentage might regress to the mean a bit and they'll have a bit more success. Does this mean that Boston is going to regress a bit? Well, I mean, probably maintaining an 85% point percentage all season long is literally unheard of. It's never been done before. So there will likely be some games coming up where they won't be as successful scoring five on five, where Linus Allmark or Jeremy Swayman might lay an egg. But it's working for them over the first 40 games. They're getting the saves. They have the depth right now to carry the offense in the past. They struggled to score five on five because they were relying on one, maybe two lines. Now they have, you know, with Jake DeBrusque healthy, they were able to put Taylor Hall on the third line and they had some pretty consistent scoring all up and down the lineup. So far, the loss of DeBrusque didn't really make a huge impact on the scoreboard. Uh, but that could happen coming up. At any rate, the Bruins are still top five when it comes to these underlying metrics. So they are playing a strong puck possession game. And 
there's reason to believe that they can sustain success throughout the rest of the regular season and into the playoffs. Maybe not winning this consistently because, again, it's impossible. It's never happened that a team has maintained an 85% success rate in the NHL. Um, but this is a formidable team. It's very right to be excited about this group. It's a special group. And with each passing day, it's, you know, uh, if, if they don't pull it off, uh, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be kind of painful, but enjoy the ride. Take it one game at a time. Next game will be against Seattle and we'll preview that game on Thursday, tomorrow. Uh, I'll open up the mailbag. So if you have any questions, send them in to at ENC McLaren or at Locked NHL Bruins, and I would be happy to answer those. Hope you're all doing well. Hope you're having great weeks. And we'll talk to you again here tomorrow on the Locked On Boston Bruins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your favorite team every single day. Take care, friends.